This episode of the A-List podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. Welcome into another episode of the A-List podcast. I'm Pawnee A. Lunas, joined by Aishra Blakely and Gary Washburn. As usual, we've had a busy weekend, y'all. How have y'all guys recovered? Have you got any sleep from the I'm good. Yeah? I'm good. Homecoming was a good weekend for me. It was. Um, Y'all know how I absolutely do not like to talk about any products that are not paying me to talk about them. Uh But, yo, that tequila we had at the homecoming joint, I ain't going to say it by name, but it was off the chain. Some of the best tequila I have ever, ever had. And Lord knows, I I, I made sure I got plenty. Mm, mm, mm. There we go, Gary. I was homecoming yeah, it was, weekend. It was a very eventful oh. weekend. It was a good homecoming. The Celtics always know how to put on uh, these types of events and celebrate their all-time great players. And even, you know, just the alumni in general, you didn't have to be a great player for the Celtics, but as long as you put in that work and put on the green uniform, you know, they appreciate you. And I think that of the organizations I've covered over the years, they do, and you see around the league, you know, when you go into other arenas and you see how teams treat their their former players, the the Celtics do it, you know, first class. They make you feel welcome in terms of a, you know, bringing guys in, having them, you know, be part of part of still part of the organization. And so you you always and you look the guy because, you know, some of these guys have been retired many years and they don't get a lot of attention anymore. And it's good to see the TD Garden crowd or people come up to them, want to talk to them, get autographs, sign uh, memorabilia, and all that stuff. So. I think it's good for the even you know for the veteran players, older players too, just to get that, still get that pat on the back and get that appreciation they deserve. Yeah, yeah even I mean, go ahead, Kwani. No, just for context, the Celtics hosted what they are they called Welcome Back Weekend. They had a dinner on what is Friday night, no Saturday night, right before the KG retirement ceremony. So it was just a full weekend of Celtics festivities. Yeah, and they had. I mean, and we were all at the same table, which was which was good. Uh, lots of jokes flying around, lots of libations uh, being tossed back and forth. It was a good weekend. <laughs> it was a good, a good old weekend. Um, but you know, there, there was still a game to be played. Um, yeah. And you know, we'll get into that. But the weekend as a whole, it, it was a reminder for me of just how important. Um, the basketball family is and, and how you need to embrace that. And, and, you know, we'll get into KG and, and, and Ray Allen, which I thought was to me, that was my biggest takeaway from the entire weekend was the fact that we were able to really get both of those guys to address that situation uh, head on, as opposed to, you know, what so-and-so heard and what so-and-so reportedly said and what so-and-so reportedly feels to have them in the flesh deal with that head on was just great to see. Uh, so um anyway that like i said great weekend um family came together and you know we'll we'll talk more about it but man this this is what families do you have disagreements you admit that things weren't how they should have been you break bread get some drinks and you kim keep it moving (laughs) exactly but like you mentioned let's get right into the game the celtics celtics unfortunately did take a l but it wasn't that bad of a game it was a 95 92 final score against dallas Jason Tatum had a pretty good game, double-double. What was your biggest takeaway from that game itself? Go ahead, Gary. Um, I don't necessarily think Tatum was good. 
Uh, I think it was six for 20, 21. Um, he scored two, four points, I want to say, in the second half. Um, I think they need to learn from this game. Mm-hmm. The way Dallas defended Tatum, just doubling him, throwing traps, blitzing him, making someone else beat them, like, they're going to see that a lot. And Dallas one of the better defensive teams in the league. And I thought the Celtics had a chance, obviously, to lock it down, up three points a couple of times with the ball, unable to score. Then Luka does Luka. It's a step back three. And then they don't score again. I think Jalen missed a a three. Um, And I don't know, Tatum missed a layup. or not. It wasn't an easy layup. It was a contested layup that didn't go down. And then Dinwiddie comes back with a dagger three. Um, You know, Dallas, they didn't didn't score for the final 238. You're not going to win games that way. Um, They need to get to the free throw line. Tatum was, you know, just blitzed. And they need someone else to step up and nobody else down the stretch did, you know, uh, you can talk about that Marcus smart call that Luca got, you know, the foul with that, have, you know, obviously he would have been able, he'd been able, had a chance to have a game with three free throws. Instead, they overturned the foul call on Luca. But I just thought that a couple of breakdowns down the stretch, especially approaching that blitz. And then um, the Luca step back three, you sort of knew he's going to have his moment because he hadn't been really good that day, and he did. And then Dinwiddie, who had been bad, I thought he, you know, he got to the free throw line, but I thought he had a bad game mm-hmm. uh, in terms of before that moment. You know, he he hits a he hits a three. So it's one, it's one of those games. But if you're the Celtics, and now you go on a row, four in a row, including Denver, obviously Golden State, Sack was a, was a tricky game, and OKC, you should get that one. Take what you uh, were given in this situation in terms of uh, the defense. Take all of what Jason Kidd put on the Celtics and use it for future reference because you're going to see it again. Yeah, I, I thought this this was a game where, and we've seen the Celtics team play far from flawless basketball, but typically when you look at Tatum, you look at Brown, you look at the bench, usually – two out of those three things are clicking for them almost every game. And this was a game where Tatum struggled making shots. Brown, other than that, that badass dunk he had in the first half, that was pretty much all he gave you. That was, that was significant. That was pretty much all he gave you. That was really significant. And you look at the bench. I mean, this was probably the one of the worst games that they have had as a collective group since they made the trade for Derek white. No one could make shots. I think they were combined like six for 20 or some, some six for 23, something like that from the field. You're not going to win games when your core guys on the bench. And plus you already play a short rotation as, as it, as it is. So when those guys that play don't get it done, it's not like you got many options you're turning to, to get it done. So this was a game where I thought the Celtics played bad on so many levels and there they were in position to basically steal it. And then very in there. A lot's that they can build off of this. I mean, I'm not nearly as as down on them for this one because it's not like Dallas is a bad team. They're one of the better playing teams out West. You look at these these two teams record-wise, they're almost identical coming into this game. And so, yeah, you're disappointed in the loss, but it's not like this, again, there there are no bells or alarms that are going off. Like the world is falling. All the success they've had is is, is about to go up, you know, going to go up in smoke. Don't get that vibe after this one. And especially when you look at the, obviously the festivities surrounding the weekend, it it's not necessarily disrespect to KG, but I do think that Dallas went in and 
wanted the win for an even sweeter reason because you get to kind of spoil a little bit for the Celtics. And when Dinwiddie made that three, the camera panned in on him. You saw a little, there was a little smirk there. It was just like, yeah, I did that. You know, just kind of, yeah. it's sweet revenge for no reason, really. But can't even be mad at them for that. <laughs> when you show up at the party and right. you were supposed to be there, yeah, Why not? You want, rem- you, you want them to remember you before you leave that night. And that's what Dallas did. I mean, as Gary pointed out, Dinwiddie, I didn't think he had a very good game, but he made the most, the biggest shot of the night. Uh, Luca, I thought they did a pretty good job for the most part. Luca was a little bit more efficient shooting the ball than I would have liked, but I thought they made him work for a lot of his shots. And that's all you can really do when you talk about the greats of the game right now. But uh, again, Tatum wasn't very good. Jalen wasn't very good. The bench wasn't very good. I, I didn't think Ime uh, had one of his better games in terms of putting guys in position to make shots. Grant Williams couldn't make shots. You, you go down the line of guys they played, and for the most part, they weren't very good. And that's what happens when you play a team and you don't play up to your best. You're going to lose more times than that. I, I think to me, the surprise in all of this is the fact that they were they were leading for large chunks of the game, and they had a chance to actually steal it in the very end there, or at least force overtime. Uh, so that that's again no moral victories, but bottom line is they they got to be better. Uh, and uh, again, the margin between them being less than their best and winning is closer than I thought. Because this is a game I think if they play like this, maybe I don't know two three months ago, they probably lose by fifteen or twenty. But the fact is they were in position to theory, in many ways win this game, and and that that's something that I think from a confidence standpoint I think they can build on. But this this road trip coming up, I mean, this is a chance to get greedy and start stacking some some W's you know, against some teams that you should be able to do that against. So with that being said, I'm going to prompt you both, buy, sell, or rent. Do you think that loss exposed any bigger issues with the Celtics team? I'm going to say I'm going to buy because uh, I think what it exposed that they still haven't quite figured out how to deal with teams that are aggressive in dealing with Jason Tatum. I think that it exposed that they still have a level of, of impact and thought that they need to get to in order to, frankly, figure out the best way to adapt to teams that, that do that. Because teams are going to consistently try to do that. Uh, and, and, and again, I'm not convinced that they'll necessarily figure that out against the top tier teams. Like it's one thing to figure it out against a team like Detroit or a team like Sacramento teams that are just, you know, basically in in the back of the dumpster, you know, of, of the NBA. But when you're dealing with dogs like Dallas, when you're dealing with teams like Golden State, when you're dealing with teams like Miami and Philly and teams that are going to challenge you, if you get to the postseason and start making some real noise, I'm not convinced that they figured out how to deal with that effectively. And that to me, is why that's what the Dallas game exposed. It exposed their inability to figure out how to adapt to teams that are aggressive and trying to take the ball out of Tatum's hands. Yeah, um, I'll buy because he I didn't want to buy. You could tell. You could tell that was reluctant. By that was just. No, like, no I'll go. I really don't want to purchase this, but take the damn car. Just take. No, it. I'll buy. <clears throat> I'll buy because um, I'm concerned about Derek White. Um, 24% from the three-point line since he's been with the Celtics. He's getting open looks, and they needed someone to hit these open looks. Like, Jason is going to get blitzed. Jalen is going to have his attention on the defense. So you need guys to come off the bench, hit three-pointers. 
Derek White was supposed to be that guy. So far, he has it. I'm looking at his game logs here. Obviously, 0 for 4 yesterday from 3. 1 for 3 against the Pistons. 1 for 5 against Charlotte. 1 for 5 against Atlanta. 1 for 5 against Indiana. 1 for 6 against Detroit. The first, uh, the loss. 0 for 3 against Philly. Um, that big blowout win. 2 for 10 against the Hawks. Like, he's not... He's not shooting well from three. He's 23% in the last six games. Um, he's got to start stepping up and, and knocking shots down. And he's getting open looks. They're not contested looks. You know, so he's he needs to be better. Um, you know, he's attacking the rim. I like that. You know, he seems he's getting to the basket and making plays at the rim or with floaters or whatever. But Derek White has to start knocking down jump shots. I personally do not trust as much as probably others Peyton Pritchard. Not that I don't think he can't shoot, he can, but be that guy to hit the fourth quarter ones, not in the second quarter. Like he got a couple of open looks against the Mavericks in the fourth quarter yesterday, and he didn't knock them down. And, you know, it's great to be that guy in the second quarter. You know, um, he hit two in the fourth quarter, but he was two for five from the field in the fourth quarter, two for six overall. You know, he actually led the Celtics in scoring. They were terrible in the fourth quarter uh, yesterday, six for 23. So, you know, credit to, you know, but I need to see more from Peyton in terms of like knocking down consistent three-point shots, especially when you're open, right? Like, you know, it, it, that will come, could become with more playing time and, the, you know, more, more reps, but I need to see that before I truly trust the bench. Like as Sherrod touched on, the bench was not good yesterday. Grant Williams was 0 for 4 from 3. That was a rare blunder, you know, mulligan for him. He's usually good from 3. But they got to have guys come off the bench and score. And maybe it's time to look at take a look at Nick Stauskas. He hasn't played or he played a bit, a bit role against Detroit. Um, you know, but he, maybe it's time to maybe give him some minutes and see if they can hit threes because you need a three-point shooter on this team. Jason, this is what's going to happen with Jason. He is going to get blitzed. Jalen, as much as I, um, you know, think he's a solid three-point shooter and he can he's streaky, he hasn't really shown this season, okay, I can just knock him down. He not knocked down a big one against Brooklyn, but I need to see more from Jalen. But they got to have some bench threes. They got to have some guys like – like what Dinwiddie did, you know, knock down, like who would you say is more likely to knock down that dagger three like Dinwiddie did? Maybe Marcus, you know, maybe Marcus, other than Tatum or Brown, a, a non-star player, because basically it was Luca, and then I thought Finney Smith had a great game. I thought he was really yeah. effective, key in their comeback. But, mm -hmm. you know, you, you leave Dinwiddie open because he's not a great three-point shooter. And he knocked it down. So I want to see uh, more from the bench, more from the complimentary players for the three-point line. So I do think, Kwani, it's a concern how they were defended and how they didn't score. True, true. You know who can knock down three-point shots, though, right? Who? You know who can knock down three-point shots, right? Who? Some dude named Ray Allen. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> transition. I, if you, if, yeah, I was like, you, what are we doing here? Where are we going if, here? You, 
if you can get a poor man's version of Ray Allen on your team, you would take it in a heartbeat. I don't know if they got someone who would even fall into that category. Nick Sloskis, maybe, maybe because perimeter, I mean, the dude dropped 100 points in two G League games, which to me is impressive on the surface, but in reality, it was in a G League game. And having watched my share of G League games, they ain't exactly looking to lock people up. You ain't got, you don't got cats out there locking, trying to go at you like Marcus Smart or Patrick Beverly or Kawhi Leonard when he's healthy or Paul George when he's sort of kind of, but not really healthy. You don't have that type of edge defensively. And so if you are a guy that is about shot making, the G League is a good spot for you. Is that going to translate to the next level? We don't know. But what we do know is that what has translated of late is that beef that KG and Ray Allen have had. Yeah. To see that squashed publicly, Lord, have, me and Cedric Maxwell were talking about. We went from this. like three-point shooting to they need yeah, somebody like Ray uh, Allen all the way to the Ray Allen beef with Cardinal. We didn't even, okay. yeah. Gary, but, Gary, you got Gary. Just, just, just buckle up, Gary. Just buckle up. Just buckle up. We we not go. We not go. Hold your hand and walk you down the road. We riding, G. We riding. We rolling. So, so to that we point, Sherrod. So to that point, <laughs> we did see publicly KG and Ray clearly have made up in some sorts. But do we think that it's real? I am going to say. What do you need to see? I'm gonna say it's real. I'm gonna tell you. That's a listen, Gary. Don't jump on Quan. Quan, that was a good question. That was a good question because he's, Gary, you he's and millennial. Gary. What y'all need to see? Gary, no, it's you, more, you need to see him on the Bachelor like, together. What do you, you need to see? You and I both know we have seen cats fake the funk like they cool when in fact they not. They just put on the show. KG Ray, I felt it was real. Uh, and talking with Ray after the game, or excuse me, yeah, after the game and after the the whole jersey raising. It felt very real because one of the things about relationship, and y'all know this, whether it's personal, impersonal, friends, whatever, there's a there are certain points in a relationship where you really don't know how this is going to play out, but you're going to roll with it anyway. And when Ray talked about coming to this event, but not really knowing how this is going to play out with KG, that's when you're dealing with someone who is all about the relationship because you're willing to take that chance when you don't have to. Ray could have easily kept his ass at home and been like, you know what? I don't need that drama. I'm good. But he didn't. He showed up. And while he was a definite part of the narrative that night, he wasn't all the narrative. And I think that was, and low key, I think that was part of his concern was that he would be the, the big story and not well, the Jersey yeah. race. But, but KG made sure that didn't happen. Uh, KG, I thought the way he treated Ray was the way you treat a brother when you've had your issues, but it's time to squash that. Because, mm-hmm. look, ain't getting no younger. And so why, why hold on to beef if, if it's literally not helping you or fostering anything positive? Uh, and, I, and I think KG eventually came to that realization. And Ray, uh, I think he, he always understood, I think, where KG stood, but he wasn't going to necessarily change his position because as a grown ass man, you get to choose where you want to play ball. And if I want to play somewhere else that pays me less, I should have that right to do that. Particularly when money ain't an issue with me with Ray. Cause the thing about Ray, and I, I was thinking about this this morning. The thing about Ray was that if he stayed in Boston and didn't go to Miami, the level of expectation would have been, we need all-star Ray. We need, or something close to that in order to keep winning at an elite level. You go down to Miami, you playing with Bron Bron and, and crew? 
All you need is, can you still make wide open shots from the corner? Can you still make daggers when we need them? You can? We're good. We only got this much money. I'm good with that money. You do realize I'm Ray Allen. I've made bank. I You ain't going to see me on the, on the side of the street scrounging for no dollars. I don't need money like that. I need an opportunity to win another chip and, and accept me for who I am at this point in my career. And Miami did that. He got, got more chips. And now him and KG, everything is all good. Life is good. So, Gary, I presume you think that you agree with Shaw that the beef is squashed. Um, yeah, because Kevin has never been very, I mean, it's not, it's not like Kevin didn't basically say he had a problem with him. I've talked to Kevin several, I mean, you know, this whole thing, I mean, I, I was one of the first ones to write about it. This whole thing has been going, brewing for years, right? And I've talked to Kevin and people close to Kevin, you know, over the years, and it's real. It was real, okay? Now, the question is, and subject fans come at me like, oh, it was Ray, Ray Sala, Miami. I was I covered Ray in Seattle, okay? Two years in Seattle before he got traded to the Celtics. I wrote the story in Seattle about him getting traded for Jeff Green. Uh, in Seattle, it was interesting because they traded him. Sam Presley traded him in Seattle because he didn't think, he didn't want 32-year-old Ray Allen playing with 19-year-old Kevin um, Durant. He didn't think that you could have a your best player be 19 and your second best player be 32. It was interesting philosophy so he decided to move Ray and Ray was just coming off ankle surgery he missed the last part of uh the year that before he got traded with having ankle surgery right so he was kind of damaged goods and uh Danny was looking to upgrade Ray was available the Sonics were gonna blow the thing up and as they did and they ended up driving Green and Westbrook and Harden and you know the rest is history so I've known Ray since 2005, and I know that during that last year, that 11-12 season in Boston, it was not fun for him. One, Danny wanted to trade him to Memphis. That didn't go through. Okay. Two, Doc decided he was going to play Avery Bradley, give Avery Bradley raised minutes. Remember, Bradley was drafted in 2010, was hurt most of his rookie year, but came to the NBA as a, as a plus defender. Doc loved that. Avery, as we know, never really learned how to really develop his offense as much as, as people thought, but he's always been and still is a plus defender, even at age 31, 32. So at that stage, he was a plus defender. And in that 11-12 season, he was given uh, – eight. remember, he started Avery. He was giving him raised minutes. Ray's contract was up. Ray told me, you know what, Gary? Them fools can extend me if they want right now. They, it was not one of those collective bargaining agreement joints where they had to wait till the end of the season. They could have extended them during the season. They didn't. Here comes free agency. The first call Danny makes is to Jason Terry. Well, where's Ray going to play if you got Jason Terry and Avery Bradley? Danny came up later and was like, oh, we, they can play all play together. Now, you could never have too much shooting, but you got two alpha male shooters on your team. And, and Jason was coming off. Jason was younger than Ray. 
and had a better season than Ray that year. So the first person he called was Jason Terry. So Ray felt some kind of way. Why wouldn't you call Ray first? Then Miami jumps into the fray. He gets calls from Dwayne Wade and LeBron. He goes down to South Beach and meets with Mickey Arison and Pat Riley. The rest is history. The Celtics come out with a double offer. Remember, Ray got two years, six million. The Celtics came out two years, 12 million after the fact. And Ray was like, you know what you can do with your extra money. I'm going to Miami. So people blame Ray, but blame Danny for this in terms of like his desire to keep Ray was not high as to keep Kevin or Paul. He almost traded in the Memphis. He didn't resign him during the season. And then the first person he called a free agent was Jason Terry. And don't get it twisted. These three-point shooters look at each other as mad competitors, okay? Ray and Jason were rivals because they both were filled the same kind of role. So Kevin took it as, how you sign with Miami? I get that, but it wasn't all Ray's fault. He chose Miami, got you, signed with the rival Heat, got you, but it was a lot that went into that. And let's be honest. If you go down to South Beach and you having dinner on the water and you drinking uh, Shiraz tequila <laughs> and, 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 and sipping on something on a Friday night in, in, in July, seeing the boats uh, sail into the, dark, into the night and you're like, you could be here and, and raise a golfer so he can, he can golf, golf all year you know, 11 months a year. Maybe, you know, not in the storm, in the rainy season in Miami because it rains. But what do you, I mean, it's, it, I just, I understand the rivalry aspect of it, but the NBA is a business. You know, I mean, just ask Isaiah Thomas, not, not uh, Zeke, just ask Celtics Isaiah Thomas about the NBA being a business. So Ray did a, made a business decision and wanted to win another championship, played a pivotal role, won a title. You know, I understand there's disdain in terms of he left for Miami, but I think Kevin might have took it a little too far. Like, you got to let a man make a decision, business decision on his own. Now, could he have gotten the guys together and said, guys, this is what I'm going to do. I think I'm going to sign with Miami. I think he called Paul, but he didn't call Kevin. Um, Yeah, all that could have been handled better. But it's 10 years ago. This is summer 2012. Mm -hmm. I mean, Kwani was in BC then. So <laughs> yeah. drink, drink, drink. <laughs> yeah, no tequila. <laughs> yeah, with my tequila. Kwani was in BC listening, listening to the new Kanye <laughs> and, and, and asking who this Drake fool is. <laughs> Some fool named Drake got a new album. Who that? I never heard lie. I love you know, his story in Canada. <laughs> right, right. Who's who Drake? Who Drake? Some light skinned dude from Disney. He's not gonna make it. <laughs> Nickelodeon. Right. He ain't not gonna be successful. Oh, that's good. But he's yeah. a one hit. He's gonna be a one hit wonder. So, <laughs> I mean, that was a long time ago. So I applaud Kevin, and I don't think it's fake because one, Kevin called him out. Mm -hmm. Kevin wouldn't have done it. Kevin does not do something to be nice. I mean, I don't understand why people don't see this. When has Kevin ever done something to be real nice to somebody? He either, he, he does it because it's from his heart. That's yeah. what he does. He didn't like Ray, it came from his heart. He forgave mm -hmm. Ray, it came from his heart. Like, yeah. I don't understand this. But he, he might've, that might've been a little, 
you know, show, yeah. Yeah, they, they might have a show. You see, what? When do you have ever done something for show? Yeah. In terms, like, he'll curse you out. He'll curse on the air. Like, Kevin's not that dude. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I believe that when he took that picture at the 75 thing at All-Star Weekend, I was like, okay, it's thawed. Because oh, yeah. Kevin ain't taking no smiling picture right. with nobody he don't like. Mm-hmm, That's right. not Kevin. Kevin is not, is, is, I don't know, this is a big scoop. Kevin doesn't hide his emotions well. Like, so, you, so Gary, so you're saying there's not going to be a picture with him and Charlie Villanueva? That's not yeah, going to exactly. happen? You know, him and Antonio McDykes. I mean, you know. That hurt my heart. That hurt my heart because you know how I love Dice. Yeah. I mean, there's, Kevin don't know that accident. I think, don't we all know this? So I applaud Kevin for understanding it's COVID. It's 10 years ago. Like, Life like Ray said, right? we all, we old men now, mm-hmm. you know, like let's celebrate the rest of our, as I touched on earlier, the Celtics appreciating their all-time great players and their alumni. Let's be part of this together and, you know, get over it. Now, the, the question I think when people are like, are we going to talk about everything that went down then? Probably not. It's not even healthy to do that because it's your story, my story, and the truth. It's how you perceived it then, how I perceived it then. Oh, you didn't call me back. Yes, I did. I called you. Oh, what number? I don't remember. Oh, that was my old Like, there's obviously two different stories, or not two different stories, but like, how things are perceived, taken, such as said this to me about what Ray said to this, like all of this, right? And so it's not healthy to like go over step by step, but I do, I was around as Sherrod was that 2011-12 season and Ray was being pushed out the door. Like, yeah. like anybody didn't see that, like Avery Bradley was the new shooting guard because Rondo was the point, okay? They call Jason Terry the first one, 1201, free agency, who they call Jason Terry. They didn't call Ray. They could have extended Ray during that season. He told me this in the locker room. You know, like you know, like assign me today. Really? Like they ain't gotta wait till free agency? Nope. My contract assigned me tomorrow. Extend me. Did they? No. Nope. They made an offer after all this shit went to down, excuse me. And well, we can work. You're gonna play Ray and Terry and Avery. Somebody ain't gonna play. And we are so, Ray Sire of Miami. Yeah. yeah. So I'm proud and I applaud yeah. Kevin for because it was a great moment. Like, you know, mm-hmm. people keep asking about it. What happened? What's going down? Why do like now they have to talk about it. Yeah. They can talk about themselves, their lives, what's going forward. Mm-hmm. You know, Kevin can do his uh, Showtime, um, you know, situations, his shows, Ray keep culture high school. They can talk to, they can show that Ray's kids were there. His, his youngest son, Walter, um, the one who was a little boy with a little big afro. Now he's like 6'2". You know, I you, know. See, you see these kids grow up. The one, you know, and, he, and he's a type 1 diabetic, so he's looking great, looking healthy, you know. Um, you see his kids and whatever. I mean, you know, you saw Kevin's daughters. Like that's what it's about. Yeah. You know, ain't no kids want to hear no old man beef. Be ain't gay. no kid. Ain't no ain't no young kids want to hear how you don't. Oh, yeah. Left him. Yeah. Something that happened ten years ago. <laughs> Nobody want to hear that. 
Yeah. You don't want to hear old man beefs. Back in 64, this fool loaned me. I gave, I gave him $20. He never gave it back to me. Now he owes never interest. Like, nobody <laughs> trying to hear that. Ain't nobody trying to hear that. It's just with COVID and all of what's going on in this world, like, you know, I think it's a lesson to all you people out there listening, watching this podcast, like, squash a beef with somebody. There's this, hey, you don't have to be best friends. You might not be what it once was, yeah. but resurrect and mend your situations to where you can be good with that person and bring back some good. And, you, and I guarantee you, they had Ray and Paul, Ray and Kevin had more great times than bad times. Mm-hmm. They just did. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, life is too short. That's basically the moral of all of that. And the retirement ceremony was very well done, very well well planned out. And even though there are so many numbers up there in the TD Garden, there are a few names that obviously continue to circulate as to whether or not their numbers will make it to the top. We have Danny Ainge, we have Ray Allen, Rajon Rondo. So pick and roll, who do you think is going to be the next jersey that heads to the TD Rafters? I'm going to go with Danny. I'm going to go with Danny because, I mean, he, frankly, he put together their last championship run. And you look at the moves that they're making now or the guys that are standing out. He engineered deals to get a guy like Jason Tatum, to get a Jalen Brown. They didn't have to totally He was suck. booed for Jalen Brown. We'll never forget. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was booed. Jalen was booed. And Jalen, he forgot that. But he he has done enough from an architectural standpoint to be in the conversation. And then you throw the fact that he was a player with the team and won, you know, championship with the team. He seems to be the most logical next addition. Uh, Ray will be interesting. Um, Ray will be very interesting. And Rondo, I think, is, I don't, I, that's going to be a tough one. That's mm. going to be a really tough one. Mainly because they're almost out of numbers. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, that might be like the last single digit number you might be able to get. Yeah. Well, it depends. It all depends on your policy of retiring numbers. Some organizations retire numbers, whoever it was, if they make the Hall of Fame, right? If they played a certain amount of years in that uniform and they're a Hall of Fame player, right? So like Will Chamberlain has his number retired in Philadelphia and Golden State with the Warriors and with the Los Angeles Lakers, right? Um so three teams, or you know, Philly, Golden State, and LA retired Wilt's number because he's just that dude. Milwaukee retires Kareem and LA, obviously. LA. Like, so if you want to do well, raise in the Hall of Fame, he played five years in Boston, you know, they they retired Dennis Johnson's number, who played a little bit longer, but also, you know, helped him with a couple championships. Like it all depends. Ray's a cl- a tough one because he played only five years. People were people were coming. Well, you know, Garnett only played six years in Boston, but the impact was immeasurable. With Ray, it was five years. He's a Hall of Famer. Do you just say he's in because he's in the Hall? Now, have there been players who probably did less in Boston uh, who have their numbers retired? Probably so. Um, but I think if they were considering it management and, and the powers that be in Boston, Ray definitely took a step forward yesterday by coming back, hugging, you know, making amends, hugging folks, just say, hey, um, you know, things didn't work out the way they're supposed to. So I think he's got a shot. Rondo, 
man, Rondo put up some numbers, had great years in Boston, but he's been with so many teams since then. I don't know if he's popular enough amongst the fan base to be a Hall of Fame because you do this, Kwani, for me. Do me a favor. Put put that question. Put that question on your Twitter whether Rondo's number should be retired. You will get a who. Good luck with that one. With your mm. with your with your mentions. Look, look, let me go viral. I'll tweet it out. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> the next person who might get their number retired is probably might be Jason Tatum. To be honest with you, mm. like I'm just looking at like a recently retired self, like someone not really, you know, maybe Marcus Smart when he got, you know, I think Marcus is getting going toward that like. Um, you know, Cedric Maxwell, like you put in a lot of hard work for this organization. You put in that work. Now, maybe Marcus needs more signature moments like Max has, but that like you were, you are, you personify what a Celtic is supposed to be. You worked hard. You stayed here for eight, nine, 10 years. So it might be Marcus Smart. I think that would be an easier one decision for them than Ray because Marcus has given his heart and soul. Or I mean, he's still got glass in his hand from that, you know, injury. Like, you know, I joke with him, and you know, the, it's like he's been in Boston twelve years, and you know, it's been eight. It almost it seemed like twelve, right? You know, yeah. Marcus Marcus just turned you know twenty eight, and it seemed yeah. like he'd been with himself since he was sixteen. You know, <laughs> yeah. um, and so it might be Marcus Smart. Hmm. I like the yeah, that's that's a good one. I wouldn't have even thought about that. And honestly, I feel as though Marcus's number would also create as equal as a debate as Rondo's though for your same reasoning probably no not as much really I think there's a there's a Marcus contingent of people that love him and there's some that don't like him but nobody can argue his contribution to the organization how hard he's played Mm -hmm. how hard he tries question his decisions question some of the three-pointers but don't question his heart and soul and contribution to the team I think Mm -hmm. that's what puts him over the top Rondo the, the way, you know, yeah. the way Rondo kind of left. And that, you, you know, he got along with Brad, but the, just some of the things he did over the years, uh, yeah, not as popular yeah. in Boston. That's, yeah, that's a fair assessment. But before we move on, Selection Sunday is behind us now, and we're really getting into the March madness as we know it. Do if any of us got teams in the tournament? I don't think so. No. Damn. And Boston College on the men's and women's side, very disappointing. It's because it was the first time I heard serious conversation about both of those teams, like potentially making some kind of cut. But either way, it's not about BC right now. It's about betonline.ag. If you haven't used that welcome bonus, CLNS50, Use that because March Madness, as we mentioned, is the perfect time to really get your feet wet in the betting world. Obviously, it's not just limited to basketball. You can look into some hockey, UFC, boxing. But again, use that 50% welcome bonus, CLNS50, and head over to betonline.ag. Let us know if you win some cash as we head into this chaotic basketball season on the men and women's side. Make me make sure I point that out. But back to the Celtics. They're fifth in the East right now. They're a game behind Chicago, four games behind by Miami for the best record. 13 games left. They have this West Coast trip coming up. Can they catch up to the Miami Heat? Is it even worth doing so? They're not going to catch the Heat. 
They're not going <laughs> to catch the heat. And and it's it's to me it's it's not even about so much Miami as much as it is just the realities of the of the NBA right now. I just don't think that there are enough games, and Miami is going to fall enough to where the Celtics can realistically catch them. Now, the one thing that the Celtics do have in their favor is that their strength of schedule is significantly weaker than Miami's. And so there, there's there's some positivity there. But at the end of the day, and it sounds cliche, but, but it's the truth. It's not about who they play. It's about how they play. Are they going to be healthy? Are they going to be able to get the contributions from their guys off the bench that they're going to need that we did not see? In the that, was deep, Gerard. that was deep, Right. I was about to do a little... You like that one? You like that one? Damn. <laughs> we'll take you to poetry slam. Oh, that that's what I was thinking. Snap. Orange Nation. Orange Nation, baby. That's that. Shout out to Orange Nation for that one. Um, Orange Nation well, no, they, they, anything. Because that's why I got educated, child. Sure. Let's go with that. Continue. <laughs> no, but they, they just, it, it really is about them, though. It has to be about them if they're going to have any type of success. And so whether they've got home court advantage, top record, it's not going to matter. Where are you at in your development, Boston Celtics, when the lights are brightest, and that's the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, I think their schedule is difficult, to to be honest with you. If you look at their schedule, Golden State, that's a, you know, likely not, they will not be favored in that game. Uh At Sacramento, you would think, but, Sacramento's tricky and they don't play well out there at Denver. Always a tough with the, with the Joker air at and the air at Oklahoma city, a game you should win the jazz at home, Mm -hmm. Minnesota at home with cat and those guys at Toronto, Miami at home, tough game. And then Indiana, Washington at home. You got to think those are two dubs. Mm -hmm. And then at Chicago, at Milwaukee, at Memphis. Yikes. I love how it ends out. The season ends out with the best. They got, I mean, the Celtics only have five home games left mm-hmm. and they have eight road games. So like that, they don't have any, you can consider, you know, you can say Sacramento and Oklahoma city are easy road games. I don't think anything on the road is easy, especially with unpredictable ass teams like the Kings. And we can talk to Kyle Draper about that next week or maybe yeah. this weekend about his, his Kings and right. maybe all over the place. But I, those are not gimme games. They're going to have to try hard to beat the Kings. Yeah. And the same thing with Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City's got a lot of guys out, but they play hard. You know, teams do what they play hard. So that's, a to me, a difficult schedule. Your home games are hard. Utah, Minnesota, you know, Miami, the Indiana, Washington, those, you got to win those games. Mm-hmm. But then at Chicago, at Milwaukee, with that dude down there in Milwaukee, a great guy. And then Memphis with Ja, who's going to be looking for blood after what they did, to, you know. And then secondly, what what is Memphis playing for playoff seating? Are they, are they going to play for number two? Um, are they, are they, are, you know, them and the Warriors are going for that number two seed. Like, that's a difficult stretch. Yeah. 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 But you know what? Well, I don't if think they're, they're sorry. I don't think they're catching Miami. I think. Unfortunately for them, Sunday was a big loss because they lost a game on Philadelphia. You know, they lost a game on Chicago, but, and they got to fight off Toronto and Cleveland for that. You know, you don't want to fall to the play in. 
they still got to be aware of that. They can't go on no four, five game losing streak here. Like they've got to, they got to step this up. And it starts with that Golden State game. And they've played well out there over the years. They won there in the last couple of years. They played well. But you talking about Shooter, you talking about Steph, you talking about those boys getting healthy. And I don't know what, I don't think Draymond would be ready for that game. But the Warriors are going to have that on their mind. So, and then you got Sack and then Denver, tricky game. And then OKC. So they've got to step this up, learn from the Dallas game. Get a day off, get some rest, get used to the West Coast time, and get to work. Yeah, Trey, did you have something you wanted to add to that? No, no, Gary, yeah. Gary hit all the all the all the high highlights. Yeah. Appreciate he knew it. what he was talking about. It. Now it wouldn't be a Celtics talk podcast or Celtics, you know, related podcast if we didn't have to talk about Philly and <laughs> our good friends in Brooklyn. But let's start with Philly. Is a honeymoon period over with James Harden? I'm not sure if you two saw that he actually tweeted a mixtape type of video with the the marathon continues. Basically a highlight reel of that game against Philly, which didn't really make sense considering it's not like he had that much of an impact in that game. Who did that? James Harden. Oh, the game against Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but then so, three for 17 that game. That that's yeah, that's, he got that ass smashed mm-hmm. badly. So I'm not a, I'm not necessarily understanding what he was trying to portray with that video or the caption of you know Nipsey's the marathon continues. But either way, what do we think about James Harden and what impact he thinks he's making in Philly? <laughs> the honeymoon is over. Yeah, I mean it's 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 over. I, I didn't think it would be this quick, but it is over. Uh, James Harden is reverting back to doing the things that we have seen him do systematically every single stop along the way. There comes a point where you look at his basketball brilliance and you're like, damn, he is really, really special. And then you watch him play and you're like, but damn, he ain't playing like he's special. He playing like he don't know what the hell he's doing out there. And it's not a conditioning thing. It's not an, uh, this is a really tough team we're playing thing. It's a, he just don't seem to really give a damn about anything other than nothing. That is the James Harden we have seen throughout. I think we're starting to see that now. And I, I, I felt this way when they made the trade, and I, I'm, I'm, I feel even more strongly about it now. I felt Philly gave up too much to get him. I felt Seth Curry was the one element in that trade that I would have fought like hell to keep him. Um, because because Seth Curry gave you to me, he gave you the safety net when you get the, when the honeymoon is over. Seth Curry is going to be a shot maker regardless of who he's playing with, and that's why in in Brooklyn they're good because Kyrie can only play road games. We still got Seth Curry every game, and once we get Ben Simmons back, we got a facilitator who's going to get this guy that's been showing up every game all season his shots. So Brooklyn, I. I like the deal more for them because they were getting pieces that can help them both in the short and long term. With James Harden, great player, but when he checks out, he checks the hell out. Uh, and it feels like he has. And I don't care what Doc says, I don't care what Embiid say. Y'all, y'all, y'all know the resume. Y'all seen this movie before. Don't act like y'all don't, don't act like this is some new trailer that just popped inside on your screen. You've seen this movie, James Harden, before. So stop acting like, oh, my God, I can't believe he's like going three for 17. It doesn't seem to care. I can't believe he's going out and having fun with, with, with parties and all this other stuff after we catch an L's. 
I, where, where did that come from? Like, bro, this is it's it's like you've never what you you've never seen an Eddie Murphy movie. You've never seen a you've never seen Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. You've never seen a Stallone movie. Come on, there are sequels to every single movie they make. So don't act as if you have not seen this movie before. This is not a new trailer. Come on, y'all. Stop. Sherrod loves his analogies. What about you, Gary? What do you think about James Harden in Philly? Uh, I'm a little surprised that it's gone south. He's 13 for 51 shooting in the last three games. They won two of those. They lost the one, obviously, that's Brooklyn. Um, I just think that he's probably ready for the playoffs. He just has a level of disinterest at this point. But James is going to be James. And I think he's what is going to happen, and what I don't think he realizes is he's, he's impacting his legacy. Like, he's, in a hall, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Like it or not, folks, he's on the Hall of Famer. Okay. He was on the top 75 and he actually showed up to the ceremony. Proud of James. He could have been in the streets partying. He showed up to the, to the ceremony. I got to give him kudos. That ceremony was a couple hours long, Gary. So there's 1,440 minutes in every was, single day. Where was, he could where, was 60 Anthony, for the where was Anthony Davis? Where was Russell Westbrook? Like them dudes was on the 75. They didn't show. They just, they, you know, like where were they, where were they at? Like, you know, you don't have appreciation for the, for the, for your impact and the greatness of the game, so you can't show up to that. So I gotta give James Harden credit, but I think that his legacy is so confusing because of these mental checkouts, because it doesn't seem to work out, or because he seems to enjoy the nightlife just as much as the court life. And I just think you just gotta shake well him. Well Gary. Nightlife, court life. Four snaps. I didn't realize. I really didn't know this was poetry night. Yeah, I could have prepared. But me. he likes the nightlife, obviously, and he doesn't. He's unapologetic about it, and I think that that will damage his legacy and how he's remembered. Because that's all you have when you're done. People are going to gas you up for the rest of your life about how great of a player you are. But if you come in with no chips and you come in with a bunch of shots and free throws and party photos. People ain't going to appreciate you as much as they do your contemporaries, the steps. He came in with Steph. He came in with other guys during a generation, even Westbrook. You're going to have more respect for Westbrook because he's declining, but at least he's trying out there. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't catch Russell at the clubs. You catch Russell is, got, is a flawed player, but at least he plays 100% and most of the time. Um, so I think that I don't think I'm not going to count it over. I just think maybe James is just having a little rut right now. We'll see what happens in the last part of the season because they barely held on to beat Orlando on Sunday. That was not all that impressive. In overtime, that wasn't impressive. Let's see what happens the rest of the way if Doc can get those guys together because they don't have a Ben Simmons coming back. The Brooklyn could at least say, well, we got Simmons coming back. We'll see about the Kyrie mandate situation. This is Philadelphia's team. Right. This is pretty much this is the Sixers and who who they have and who they are. Um, so they're going to have to find a way to do it. If not, they could be out in the playoffs or, you know, they could face Brooklyn in the first round, which would be a very, very, very interesting series. Very interesting. Oh, they will get they would catch L's in Brooklyn. If they fought Brooklyn first round, series. Brooklyn win that series in five. Say right now with without Ben Simmons, they ain't going more than five. Which perfectly sets up my final question. 
Brooklyn has two players that aren't playing at the moment, Kyrie Irving, because he still isn't taking the vaccine in New York City. Eric Adams has been very vocal about the fact that he wants Kyrie to take that vaccine. vaccine. And then you have Ben Simmons, who is still rehabbing. Who do you think will have a bigger impact when they're back on the court for Brooklyn? I'm going to go with Ben. I'm going to go with Ben because Ben is the is the wild card that we don't know. We don't know what they're going to look like with Ben, but we know what Ben does when Ben is playing at his best, and it's a perfect fit for what they need. Ben Simmons has the ability to guard all five positions. Defense is an issue that Brooklyn, I think, is they have to get better at if they're going to have any shot at making a deep playoff run. They already got the other half of the court on lock. You are not going to shut down Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving offensively. But what can you do from a resistance standpoint to instead to not give up as many buckets? That's where Ben Simmons comes into play. His ability to defend, his ability to make plays for others. And yeah, he's not going to be all that good at first. In fact, I, I think he's going to probably suck the first three or four games he comes back. But once the games really start to count, playoffs, I do think his impact will be greater than Kyrie's because Kyrie, we already know what he can do. And we kind of know what that ceiling looks like. And with Ben Simmons, there is, there's more of an open air feel about his growth that you don't really see how far he can go, but you know he can make you much better. And he's bringing something to the table that, to be candid with you, they don't have anyone anywhere close to bringing. As great a scorer as, as Kyrie is, Kevin Durant is better, if we're being honest and real. And even though Patty Mills is not Kyrie, he ain't chopped liver either. He can still get you buckets too. So they don't have anyone that brings all the skills to the game that Ben does, and, that, and that's why I think his impact will be greater than Kyrie's. Um, I'm going to go with Kyrie. I just don't trust Ben Simmons. Is he mentally ready to play? Is he healthy enough to play? How many games is it going to take for him? to? This is not like you can't, you know, it's not like riding a bike. Like Ben Simmons ain't going to go back to being 2019 Ben Simmons in three full games. This is why not? because he ain't ready. He ain't played a year, man. <laughs> You funny. <laughs> Kwani, Kwani had two birthdays since Ben Simmons done play. That's wow. I love how you put things, the time period in perspective of my life. I really yeah, appreciate because that. Because you always mention how young, I, I, I don't know. remember that. I was too young. I don't remember. I don't I remember Mary J first. I remember Mary J. That's before I was born. I remember New Jack City. That was before I was oh, born. Oh, goodness. Anyway. Back to Ben. Back to Ben. Like, to me, He's going to take time. Is he even doing five on five? No. Is he doing three on three? No. Is he doing two on two with the dude, uh, you know, one of the, one of the, the, the ball boys? No. He's still doing drills and one-on-one -on -one stuff maybe. How long is it going to take him to get back? How long is it going to take him to be ready for, for intense NBA basketball? March, April NBA basketball. Not you know, October beginning, let's get like, he's going to get 10 minutes, then 12 minutes and then all that stuff. Like, honestly, I just don't trust him at this point. I don't, I trust Kyrie when he's on the floor, he right. I saw him drop, so I was there, drop a 50 ball on Charlotte. Kyrie was right. Now, not right about the vaccine. Okay. But when he's on the floor and he actually is playing basketball, 
and not showing out, acting a fool, talking deep stuff, he can make it work on the floor. So I trust Kyrie Irving when he's playing. I don't trust Kyrie Irving in terms of his you know, decisions and his flakiness, but I trust him on talking about on-floor impact more than Ben Simmons. Folks, show. Mm. Yeah, I have to take Gary's side on that one. Obviously, the <laughs> round of applause, the Ben Simmons defense is something that the Nets could use. But anyone that loves the way Kyrie plays cannot deny how good he is when he's really tapped in in being good. So if he comes back with that motivation, a lot of teams have a lot to be worried about. <laughs> but that's all I have. Any final thoughts, any final words on, on basketball-related items? Connie's like, I'm done, y'all. I'm, I'm, ready, I'm ready to Gary, she read to go. She read to go. Actually, I usually ask you guys what you have up next, but I'm going to start with myself. I am getting my ear pierced on television tomorrow. So oh, this gonna, is going live? Well, it was actually going to be live. They decided to tape it. So it will be taped, and then I'll let you guys know when it actually airs. But that's something to look forward to. I'm just okay. Hold on. Well, Time don't, out. You already, don't you already have your ears pierced? Yeah, yeah, I do have it pierced already. But I was planning on getting a second piercing, and there's a new ear piercing shop in Boston at on Newberry Street. That's re, you know having their little okay. Ear. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. No time. time out here. <laughs> I've had my. I got two earrings in one ear, and okay. the process is like eight seconds. So this is gonna be on okay, live TV. Like, well, no, really? it's not live anymore. It's gonna just be well, a package. Like live TV? No, it's it's a tape. Like, this is, He's this not is, even. This is make this is captivating television. Gary, there's a, a, there's a story segment. behind it. Yes, there's no, there's no, there's no reruns of the family. There's no reruns of the Family Feud available. Like, what are we doing here? Are you here? serious? <laughs> well, this is better than. There's no respect. You know, a lot of the <laughs> segments I do are about places Andy to go Griffin in shows, Andy Griffin show is not available. Like. <laughs> Bewitched, what's Brady, Brady Bunch? Zero respect. What's Dave Chappelle doing at that time? <laughs> <No. Gary? laughs> He's been canceled, but they might bring him back to replace me. Oh, no, it's <laughs> it's really a segment about things to do in Boston. This is a new shop. They have a, an event of piercing ears. See, look at him shutting down a whole story. So it's if you're looking for somewhere I'm, to go, I got you. No, I'm shutting it down because you was the first to volunteer. Like this is some kind of like you were <laughs> bungee was. jumping or something. If you was bungee jumping, I'm working my doing way that up thing to where bungee you jumping. Slide down, I'm all for it. You getting your ear pierced? I ain't no danger, girl. Bungee jumping, baby step. So maybe this will give me the courage. Okay. To work my way. To one step at a time. Airplane. One step at a time, Gary. Make Miss Thank League, you. man. Both teams play hard. You boom to. We need Gary on my production calls. Every idea I have, he'll be just like, sure. Oh, ear Wait, hold up, hold yes, up. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> bravo, bravo, captivating TV. I'm with you, Kwani. I, I think it's a good idea. I think, hey. and I think it'll be good. I think because there's a story behind it. Yeah. Find out about a shop you don't know. Listen, listen I'm, I'm pretty sure they do more than just it pierce ears um, at the shop. And we'll find out more about it when Kwani do the shop. It's Kwani got, got her ear pierced. This ain't nothing like <laughs> Hey, Kwani, don't you got earrings? I can't stand Gary at all. I'm just saying. See? See why I hate him? This, is my... <laughs> this ain't no first-time situation for you. Well, I was a baby <laughs> when I got this done. 
I was uh, actually. You didn't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> there we go. See, see, this is this is why it takes so damn long for Ray and KG to get back together because mm-hmm. this, this is why we this is why we got that. exactly. Ray was just. I'm just saying, KG. I, I was just. Saying. What time does that come on? Let me let me let me it's do my little on tomorrow. demand. Let I'm me lock it in. You. Let me lock it in. It's not airing tomorrow. It's gonna air the week after, or okay. or probably yeah. Well. I'll let you know it's airing. Don't Please worry. let me know. Make I'll sure. be. I can't wait. So what you got coming down the pipeline, Mister yeah. Gary Washburn? You're not getting your ears pierced. What do you got? Yeah, I get my. I got two in this year. I'm good. I'm retired. Um, this little MJ thing. Yeah, I am headed west coast with the, with the Celtics. Um, Wednesday in home for you. That's home. It's my where I went to college. So I will be. I'm gonna try to go on campus for the first time in a minute. Just walk, walk, you know, the Berkeley campus and smell the fresh air and look at the... Is that what they call that air? Fresh? Yeah, really? let's look at the people, you know, perform in the streets and because Berkeley's a wild-ass place. But yep, uh, it is. just ch- take it all in, maybe buy some souvenirs, buy some more cow stuff. As a, my wife will tell you, I have enough, but right. I'll ne- you never have enough <laughs> never cow <too> stuff. <laughs> never have enough Berkeley stuff, folks, so... Uh, but yeah, on the road and then, you know, we'll find some other stories out there, some other stuff I'm working on, but, uh, important road trip for the Warriors. So I'll be there more for the Celtics. Sorry. Yeah. Celtics. Yeah. What about you, Trad? Uh, I will be joining Gary at some point on the West Coast trip. I've got class at BU before that. That's why I'm not going to be on the whole trip. Um, and full disclosure, uh, Oklahoma city is the end of that trip. And I'm just not going to Oklahoma city. Cause I just don't want to go to Oklahoma city. Um, <laughs> but I, I will be in Sacramento. I will be in Denver, uh, for the trip. I'm also, uh, working on some stuff for, uh, for Ebony. I'll be writing about, uh, Brittany Griner this week and, and just taking a different look at that. We're, we're talking a lot about, um, you know, just the, the injustice of her being, you know, basically held captive on these charges, but, what we haven't had a conversation about, I'm going to be writing about it this week, is the fact that she is a very prominent member of the LGBTQ community, and she is playing in a country that is about as anti-LGBTQ as you can be. And why is it that we live in a society where someone who is that talented has to literally sacrifice her beliefs and put them on a shelf so that she can go make a buck? Um, so she can get what she should be worth financially. Uh, and then, so that, I'm going to, going to get into that this week, because uh, again, the, the whole situation bothers the hell out of me uh, on, on so many levels. But that level in particular uh, troubles me that, you know, someone who has very strong beliefs, you have to go into the most one of the most hostile environments and play and pretend as if everything is all right. And so to me, again, there's, there's so many levels and layers to what's happening there, but that's one that I'm going to explore for a bit. Uh, and, and like Gary said, I'll be looking for different stories out West as well. And, and that's, that's kind of pretty much where I'm at right now. There we go. And if you haven't done so already, like I mentioned that welcome bonus at BetOnline AG, CLNS 50. This is the perfect time to start getting your feet wet when it comes to gambling. There's a lot to bet on. I, I haven't filled out a bracket yet, but that's, that's a big bet in itself. So if you have a team that you're really willing to put your money behind, feel free to do so there. For HR Blakely and Gary Washburn, I'm Kwani A. Lunas. This is the A-List Podcast. We'll be back next week.